buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. As always, we've got a fantastic guest for you today. I've got Hoyan Chung all the way from Hong Kong, and he is the founder at Remo. Uh, they're doing some really interesting work over there. He's a very successful serial entrepreneur with an eight-figure Amazon business, mobile agency, and also a 1 million ARR B2B SaaS company. So lots of uh, learning lessons, I'm sure, are going to come out of his experience. Uh, Hoyan, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me, Colin. Yeah, so you seem like a pretty busy guy. Uh, uh, joining us all the way from Hong Kong is almost, I think, midnight there now. So thanks so much for for making time to come on the Sales Transformation. No, man, I'm super psyched to be on your show. Yeah, so just let's kind of start at the beginning and just uh, kind of give us your 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 story and you know how you sort of got the entrepreneur bug. Yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in entrepreneurism. Like, um, I always wanted to, to do something, but I didn't know what to do. Um, I first started off my entrepreneur uh, journey when I came back to Hong Kong. So I used to live in San Francisco for a while. Um, and it was kind of ironic, but I lived in the Bay Area, but I did not work in, in tech, in the technology space. When I went back to this, when I went back to Hong Kong, I started to kind of experiment and try different things. And you know, a lot of um, things that didn't work out, a few things that did. Um, mm-hmm. The few things that did, uh, where I first started off was actually like, um, you know, you know, it's really popular now, everyone do it now, but back in the day, um, buying stuff from China and then selling on Amazon, um, it's kind of creating your own brand. Like we did this over 12 years ago when no yeah. one was doing it. Um, and so it was, it was really early days for Amazon and that's kind of how I started off and got my first sort of, um, a bucket of gold, I guess, pail of gold, you could say. And then, mm-hmm. um, it just, from there, I just started to like do more things, bigger things and, um, different, different areas outside of like Amazon e-commerce and eventually leading into, um, my current, um, company Remo, uh, for virtual events. Okay. Awesome. Lot, lots to unpack there. So um, I'm curious because I'm always curious, at least I found most successful entrepreneurs have sort of a experience, like you mentioned, things that didn't work out. So I'm curious, you know, in some of the things that you tried that, you know, didn't work out as successful as some of the things you're involved in now, what were those yeah. and what did you learn from those experiences? Oh, Yeah. Um, let's see, there's, there's a, there's a bunch. So I'm trying to pick out the worst ones. 
<laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. So here's, here's a good one. I mean, like, you know, I, I want to share with you because this was truly not a really smart idea, but it was like one of those really dumb ideas that made you really humble, like humble yourself. So, um, what's, so basically what the idea was, um, it was a phone app that you would take pictures of food and it will tell you what the nutritional value of it was. Oh, and, wow. um, I was, I was part of this, um, this accelerator called Founders Institute. It was like this pre-idea accelerator. Um, anyways, like I think they kind of teach you like entrepreneurism and all that kind of stuff. So that was like my first try. And, um, you know, it, I, I, I learned how to pitch. Um, and I also learned how to do something called like concierge MVP. Concierge MVP means is that like you do everything manually. So what I did was I created a WordPress site. Um, and that WordPress site, uh, I modified it so that you could only post on your own blog that only you could see. So it's like your own feed. So you would pick a picture, upload it. Um, mm -hmm. You can do it through your phone. It's a website through your phone. And then I would have someone that I hired in the Philippines. They would get this message. They would see the photo that was being uploaded by a user. And then they would like have these like measuring cups and stuff. And they would try to like gauge how much like rice or eggs is in it. They measure the volume, go to like nutrition.com and search for like, it says banana, like search for banana and then type in 200 grams. And they would show you what the nutritional value was. They would copy and paste it into a Google spreadsheet and then they would sum it all up. And then it would just automatically create this graph type, type thing. They would copy and paste it back into the WordPress blog. And so I was able to create this MVP and show these accelerator people and say, Hey, look, you know, like, let's take a picture right now. Like it took like a minute, like it's not like super, like, you know, fast, but yeah. because of, you know, my biggest learning was because I was able to show something to somebody, it wasn't like BS. Like it wasn't like, well, I mean, the, it, yeah, the thing didn't really work in reality. Like, like eventually it didn't really work, but at least I was able to show something that I was committed yeah. to the idea. And that actually got me funding actually for it. So I actually got, believe it or not, I got, I got, um, let's see, I got like about 15,000 US dollars in funding to develop this, this, this app. And it wasn't until when I actually started digging deeper into it that I realized was I was totally in over my head. Like, like, first of all, I didn't know anything about machine learning or like, or like, like graphical, you know, computer recognition of food. The second of all is that no one has done it ever before. Anyone who's done it before failed. Third was that I needed to know all these like super like image recognition guys. They were crazy expensive and they were hired by like Microsoft and like Google and stuff like that. And I was like, there's no way I was like going to be able to talk to these guys. I tried. But it was incredibly difficult. And so what I realized, this is the big learning here, was is that it's like everyone has a song they could sing to. That mm -hmm. they're, like something that they're just really good at or it's just it's right fit for them. It's like, I don't know if you watch American Idol like, or, or, um, or any of those singing competitions. Like they'll force yeah. a person to sing every type of song, right? Country, you know, like R&B, you know, whatever. But obviously some people sing some types of songs better than other types, right? I kind of right. see that as an entrepreneurism too, which is like, you got to find the right song to sing. And sometimes if you're yeah. singing the right wrong song, you should realize that, stop singing it, and then try to do something else. So that was, that was one of the biggest learnings that I had there.
Yeah, I, I love that. I love that example of of the of the song, right? Because just because you you don't sing country well doesn't mean you're a bad singer. Just means country is not your genre, right? And so, exactly. you know, maybe building a complex you know, app that detects an image for nutritional value is, wasn't the right song for you. But, um, I love how you were able to look at it and just, you know, look at some of those experiences. Um, and, and I think there's one key thing there too, is like you did commit to like showing like how this thing would work and like figuring out, even though, you know, it was people on standby, (laughs) hurry up, there's an image. We got to find out what's, what's in this and what's the nutritional value. Um, but, uh, but, you know, being committed to your idea and, and, and sometimes failing fast and learning um, that it's not the right song for you, it, there's a lot of value in that, right? And, and I'm sure there's things that you learned in that first experience uh, that you took into your next experience, w- which were learning right. lessons of things to do, things not to do, uh, and sort of all of the above there. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So... Uh, okay. And so, so, and, and then, so your first sort of successful, I want to like dig into your first successful is like you, you said, um, you know, selling on Amazon was kind of your first pot of gold, your first, you know, uh, song that you were singing that, that, that was the right tune for you. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think this one is a good example of like timing the markets. Um, there's, there's benefits to, I mean, like not everyone's in a position where you're able to see something and be really early on something. You know, let's say for example, like like the guys in Bitcoin, like there's some people that were like investing Bitcoin at like $1 and they're like, you know, and you, you know how hard it was to buy Bitcoin at $1? It was atrociously hard. It was the pro- crazy you mean the, the hard. purchasing process. The process. Yeah. yeah. The purchasing process. Like you had to like, it was just, it's just technically just, I couldn't do it. Um, but I was able to do it at like a, at a higher number because they already had some stuff being built. But like there, there is something about how difficult it is. Cause back in the day when we were doing that, it was really difficult. Like it was difficult to get, um, to understand the right product. It was difficult to understand, um, to, to connect to the right, um, factory, um, builders in China. Like I'm, I'm Chinese, but even me talking to them is difficult. Like it's, it's not easy working with Chinese manufacturers. It's just a, a, just a pain in the ass. And, um, but back in the day, because it was such a pain in the ass that not that many people could do it. Um, and therefore, you know, it's, uh, it, it was, you're able to find opportunity in difficulty, but nowadays it's very easy. Nowadays it's too easy. And so right. because it's too easy, then the opportunity is gone. Like there's no, there's no like, space left that you could kind of like move into it's all very saturated and so um to me being able to see those early um trends i guess or those early areas like like how crypto was like you know i'll give you i'll give you one example right now that's kind of early which is DeFi. like DeFi is really hard to get into and understand right now and that is typically a sign where if you believe in it enough and you, you worked on it enough that you will get some good benefits later. No one makes money off of media mediocrity, right? If you're doing yeah. a media, like something that's just everyone else is doing, there's like, it's just, just barely any opportunity there. It's always on the edge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, 
you know, uh, these days it's, it's very common for a lot of people to have sort of a side gig or a side hustle, right? So finding those right opportunities where there is something that's a little more up and coming, that there's a little more difficulty like those examples is a great opportunity to learn a skill and get into like a niche or, or an industry before it's oversaturated. And eventually, um, you know, there's less opportunity, you know, lower margins in a lot of cases, uh, whatever the case is, you know, finding something, committing to it and getting in early is a good, is a good move. I mean, yeah, Amazon, everybody, it, the Amazon example is a, is a great example. Um, I mean, there's a whole industry around people who will just like do it for you now, right? Because yeah. most people, I mean, yeah. it's it's very time consuming to do it well and do it profitable that there's, you know, all of these agencies now that basically promote, you know, passive income. They'll, you know, totally done for you Amazon store. Yeah, and I think that's a really good indicator where you might be late to the game. Because if there's so many people, because you, I would always ask myself, like, why would I teach if, if I was in the business, why would I go teach someone if I could just go make the money myself? So if they're going around teaching someone, it typically means that either they're not making more money anymore, there's something wrong with the market, they're trying to squeeze whatever that's remaining out of it. So when you see all these like gurus and all these people that are teaching, that's typically a bad sign. Um, however, it's not to say that it's over. Like, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's over. I would say that it, it might be nearer to more of to the end of saturation, not at the point of saturation. So then you kind of have to like judge for yourself whether that's the right moment. And, and by the way, if it's like your first time, your first gig, right? Like, and you don't know where to start, I would say, even if it is saturated, I would just go for it first. I would just go try it first. Like, just do yeah. something that you can put your hands around. Even if it's saturated, don't let that like, like, um, kind of let you um, uh, 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 discourage you because like if if you were semi-successful or if you failed or whatever in a saturated space and then you took a step back and you learned and then you found another space that wasn't saturated, you're going to be like, holy crap, this is a piece of cake. You're like, oh my gosh, like that was so tough. Now this is, you know, you're able to kind of get some a point of reference, which is very helpful. Right. Yeah. And, 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 or even if you start with something that's maybe a little more saturated, maybe a little bit easier to pull off, it could fund, you know, something else that's maybe a little exactly. bit more complicated. That's going to take a little bit more yeah. time. It's going to require exactly. some more funds. You know, um, 100%. that's, that's something that I've done 100%. that's, that served me well. All right. So I want to shift totally gears and, and sort of talk about, uh, Remo here, um, and talk about some of the stuff you're going. It seems like you found an opportunity that was, you know, kind of seems like a common theme here for you. You, uh, I just vision you're, you're, you're always looking for like, Hey, what's new, what's upcoming, what is not saturated. Um, and you know, with this new SAS product, uh, sounds like it's another, another case of you doing that at the right time. Um, so let's, let's talk about, you know, how you started doing that, yeah. what you guys do and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, um, so, so how I kind of came to Remo was, um, I've been doing, um, like remote work. I've been, I've been creating and running remote teams for like the past, like eight to nine years. So that's kind of like the thing that I started with. Like I started off with, because I was looking for great talent and I could find talent in, in Hong Kong and the United States and in many places. So I went out and, and just try to outsource like programmers, try to outsource stuff. I called it, it was called outsourcing maybe like pre-pandemic. 
but now it's called remote work. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and so, um, and so like when, when after I kind of um, built teams, you know, I started like realizing that it's really hard to maintain, as we all know now, like working remotely is really tough. I mean, it's not easy. Um, and having that human connection is really important. So um, I, I eventually decided and said, okay, what's a long-term sort of trend that I, I know that's going to happen, but it might take a while, like maybe 10 or 15 years or something. And, um, and I decided that, <laughs> excuse me. And I decided that, um, that, um, remote work was one of those trends. And so I, I just decided to build a platform that helps remote teams connect. And, and it was like a virtual office. So imagine mm. it's like a map. In the map, there's like all these different rooms. It's like, imagine like a 2D top-down map. And then there's like chairs in each room and stuff like that. You double click into that room with those chairs. You will, your little circle avatar will like move to that room. And you will listen and be able to hear and see all the people sitting in that room. So it's kind of like a, um, like, like a, like a spatial experience where you can just see and have conversations only in the, in the rooms that you're in. So I started off with that, and then um, I tried to sell remote tools pre-pandemic in 2019. Not very successful because not people weren't really into it back then. But then, um, yeah, weird things started to happen. And you know, in, in, in my case, it was um, uh, it was it was it was COVID. And prior to COVID, you know, I actually kind of gave up on the on the virtual event idea. Sorry, on the virtual office idea because yeah, um, people were like. Um, oh, you should do this for a conference. So I partnered with this company that does virtual um, summits. Back then, virtual events were called virtual summits. And um, it's basically like they just play pre-recorded video for people to watch. So then they're like, I was like, how about I organize this event? People can watch the video or they can listen to someone speak and then come into this space, this map, and just network and talk to each other. And I, and I did this for... Uh, to sell the virtual office platform. It was like virtual remote working virtual summit. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I would not have done it if it was like for like real estate or something. It was because it was for virtual office. I was like remote work. All right, cool. It's kind of related. I did that. Um, 10,000 people went in through the uh, event. Not a single person bought the virtual office, but everyone bought the virtual. Like they were like, I want to host my event in your product. I'm like, what do you mean an event? We're not, we don't do events. And he's like, but it's so awesome. Like, I love that I can talk to people. It's like, it's like real life. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And that's the kind of like, like you, you do work, like you do stuff and things just happen. Like things just like opportunities just present yourself. And this was an example of that. And so we pivoted into virtual events. And then by 2020, we were already a part, we were already a player in the space. And it was just, I mean, yeah, it is, it is a bit of luck. Um, I, I would be the first person to say it. Like, you know, I would never have predicted this. And we were able to ride that wave. We grew um, from zero to 100 people uh, on staff, my company staff, uh, within 10 months. You know, increased revenue by like 280, 280x. Um, it was insane. Like, we had a mountain of leads that we couldn't even deal with. So um, it, was in, it was the most intense hyper growth experiences that I've ever had in my life. Wow. What, what a ride. Um, but you know, yeah, is it a little bit of luck maybe? Um, but also, you know, it, I think it has a little bit more to do with like listening to feedback from your customers. Right. And 
developing the product based on the need and the wants. You know, some people are not great at taking that feedback, listening to that feedback, or applying the feedback that they're getting into a product that can, you know, sustain that type of growth. Yeah. I mean, the, one of the things that, I mean, for me, and, and here's a learning, like a learning for me personally was like, I started off with a mission statement and this is pretty hard for, it may be hard for everyone because everyone's at like different points in their lives. They may not be able to come up with something, but I was able to come up with something and I was really passionate about, about the fact that I wanted to create authentic conversations that drive meaningful relationships because of my experience from working in remote teams that that was what was lacking, right? So I had this overarching statement and I'll be, and I'll be honest, this statement saved me in essence because virtual office helped me achieve that statement. But when I found out that virtual events achieve it even better, it didn't matter what the what the, the opportunity was. It didn't matter if it's virtual office or virtual event. All I cared about is that it achieved that goal, that, that goal that I yeah. had. And to me, I think that's really helpful because then you don't get stuck on the idea. You're trying to pursue the effect, like the output, the end goal. And I think right. that is actually what saved me because if I did not have that and I just said virtual office, virtual office, virtual office, I would never would have found virtual events. I never would have been able to take advantage of COVID. And that, that, that kind of arc of being able to just think and pivot, that part is critical. I think that part was really critical. Yeah. Yeah. And, and seeing that virtual events still is the same mission that you had in mind for virtual office. Right. And, and I think yeah, so because, yeah. because entrepreneurs can be so uh, protective of their idea, like, no, my idea is the best idea and they don't value feedback of, of others. But if you start hearing something enough times, you, you gotta, you gotta take that on seriously and, and, and maybe do a full pivot or, or change in, in what the product is. Right. Exactly. And I mean, at the end of the day, you're not creating the product for yourself at the end of the day, which is, it sounds obvious when you say it, but it's actually really true. People fall into this trap all the time that they, that they are like, Oh, it's just me. Like I'm building it. So it's obviously for me. And, and you have to, it's, it's this constant desire to like go and ask for feedback, which is something that I learned too, and get people's feedback all the time. My peers, the customers asking, like, that's literally like your gut check. And I think um, I've been able to um, kind of basically like, commit enough errors in my journey that I realized, you know, I have to do this. And so now it's like ingrained in my process, um, through a lot of failure. Yeah. I mean, I'm super curious how you managed to grow at that capacity and, you know, pre pre pandemic or, you know, virtual office, what was the size of the team? So pre pandemic, like it was like three people. And so you and scaled then, to 100, 100 plus in a short period plus, of time. Yeah. How did you Within manage like to months, do that? Yeah. What are what are some oh my you know takeaways or things that you learned of like scaling a fully virtual team from six to a hundred plus? Yeah. So um, the first thing is is like when you go through hyper growth, nothing makes sense. Like 
all the startup rules that you're taught and people will taught you or, or whatever don't necessarily apply because you're growing so fast and things just don't, they don't, they just don't make sense. Like, like they, they don't make sense anymore. Um, so one of the things that, um, so I can share a few, a few key learnings I had. So one of them was like, you really have to, um, build up processes extremely quickly, like really, really quickly. Um, and the processes don't have to be right when you're growing that fast. The processes just have to work because guess what? Next week, the processes change because you're growing so fast. Like typically a company would change those processes. Maybe, I don't know, once a year, once, once every six months, something like that. We were changing it on like a weekly to a monthly basis because we we're growing too fast. Yeah. Um, the, the, second, the second thing that I learned was is that growing fast is abnormal. It's actually abnormal. And in general, I think it's unhealthy to grow that fast because humans are not built to grow that fast. Like they're not built to accept change that quickly. And so when you push people through and you push processes and everyone through that, like everyone just starts to get burnt out and there is some sort of negative consequence that you have to take on later in the future. And we had to take that on. We had to trade that off later down the road during that time. Mm. It's great. And it's fun, but you know, culture, if you don't develop culture, the way, well, first of all, you don't have time to develop culture. So culture will suck. And then you need to stop and then reinvest in culture and then go forward because go forward. Another learning is, is that, People don't learn that quickly. Like there are people that can, and I had some people that can, but not everyone is capable of like being able to learn and then just like excel to the next level. Like you're basically within one year, I had people that were an IC, became a lead, then a manager, and then like a really senior manager all within like maybe eight months. Mm. I mean, I mean, Crazy. some people can learn that. Some people can learn that fast. And I have, and I've met people that are amazing and can learn that fast. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that can't. And there's some people, and those people that can't will struggle. And that is where, um, you know, it's not necessarily good things. It's not necessarily good things to kind of like go through things that quickly. Um, and, and some people can struggle and aren't and, 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 and unable to like um, uh, kind of catch up um, with the rest of the team. So there's there's a lot of pros and cons to that. Um, yeah, there's but, um, a there's so a lot that, that, that is, is really is really important. There there's a lot that can that can go wrong scaling that fast. So, you know, doing the best you can, making decisions quickly, um, you know, sacrificing some things. You know, just kind of more survival mode to to do the best you can and and, and live with the decisions you make, right? Yeah, I, I would say a lot of the times we were just surviving. Like week to week was like a um, was like just like fires, like just just dousing fires the whole time, trying to uh, things weren't perfect. Things were far from perfect. Things were imperfect to the max, and it still and it and it kind of worked. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll give you another good example. Like because we we're growing so fast, like we didn't develop our funnels properly because because we had so many leads, right? the leads were able to accept a shitty, excuse my language, a crappy funnel or a crappy experience. Yeah. But now as we're going out of the pandemic, we realize, holy crap, like actually our funnels really suck. 
So we had to like go back and like fix all of them and make them, you know, properly refined and optimized. And now we're finding all these holes. So like growing fast means that you're skipping a lot of the stuff that you need to have to build a sustainable business. So it's, it's okay. You can grow fast, but you need to go back. And it's like, it's like a car that's like, that's like driving really fast through so fast through this green field that it's leaving a trail of fire behind it. And then now you have to go back and like just douse off the fire and make sure that it doesn't make a bigger problem. Right. Wow. Uh, I mean, so th- th- what an incredible journey and a uh, little bit of luck, a little bit of a lot of skill, uh, you know, a little bit of timing. Um, I mean, where can people find out more about the work that you're doing? Anything else if they want to get into your world? Yeah, so um, you can definitely uh, check out my LinkedIn. Um, I'll put in the show notes there. Um, I, I kind of tweet a lot of uh, share, tweet, share um, about um, sort of my thoughts on um, entrepreneurship and also my thoughts on like how, um, you know, uh, virtual, virtual events, how that's going to change. And, and, and I really am passionate about like interaction and how people build relationships um, Remo, you can check out, check out Remo.co. I'm going to give a, a special discount code um, in the show notes. It's going to give you 10% off on the first month um, for your uh, for your audience, Colin. Um, really enjoyed my time here. So I wanted to give an opportunity to kind of share that. And, and if you guys have any questions about Remo, uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. And then um, absolutely, we've got like um, group demos. Uh, we've got events. We've got, you know, how do you make an experience authentic um, in this like noisy environment where there's just too much information um i believe in going back to basics i believe in like nothing beats a human being talking to you and versus some social media ad i i i believe that i can beat that because i can give you the right experience so um let me know if you guys are interested yeah i love that we we will include the link there and the discount code for everybody in the show notes Hoyan, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. And as always, we're listening for your feedback. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.